Yeah. Let's take them back. Uh-huh. Coming up, I was confused. My mommy kissing a girl. Confusion and curse coming up in the cold world. Daddy ain't around, probably out committing felonies. My favorite rapper used to sing, check, check out my melody. I want to live good, so shit, I sell dope for a full finger ring. And we are live. Welcome back to the Pop of the Man podcast. I'm your host, Jay. With me today, I have my co-host, Core. What's up, Core? How you been? How you been? Zubox, your corner building. We got Delon with us today. What's up, Delon? Assalamu alaikum, brother Jordan. And we have Cam with us. What's up, Cam? Y'all already know what it is, Suns Nation, even though we dipped a little bit below 500. Just a mm. little bit. Damn. You guys know what we do. We give our takes on basketball, music, everything in between. Uh, only announcement that we have is we have a brand new website, fully loaded with music and basketball articles. If you would love to send your stuff to us, then hit us up at, at Twitter, at Podcast Demand. DM us. We'll give you all the instructions if you want to talk about putting your material on our website. We love to host some brilliant minds on there. We've already got a great team from people from above the ram and a couple of other guys. Uh, in other announcements is we have a contact page on the account where you're able to submit questions directly to us i made the mistake of saying you did not have to put your email in order for us to get the question but it turns out you have to put your email mm. there also seems to be an issue that only people with gmail emails have been able we've only been able to receive questions from people with gmail emails so we had people submit stuff but we only have one question today because of the faulty website so we're going to fix that so in the future give us your email and send your questions in i will be glad to answer them during the show we're going to ask fan questions at the end. But other than that, let's get right into it. A big uproar began earlier on in the week. The NBA has, has proposed some sizable changes to the NBA schedule, such as reducing the number of games to a, a minimum of 78 games, including an in-season tournament that involves all 30 teams, a play-in tournament, kind of like what the NCAA does for the um, college basketball um, March Madden bracket for the 7 through 10 spots seeds so they can get into the playoffs and they also think about reseeding the last four teams like the western conference eastern conference finals rather than having that receding the top four seed those that would receive receding those four teams based off their record and then pitting you know the, wor- the worst versus the best and then two and three versus each other they are doing this because they feel like there's been a significant drop in viewership and they're trying to figure out a way to bring in new um not new viewers, but make sure casual viewers and fan and diehard fans are all taking the regular season more into account. Do you guys agree with any of these changes? Do you think the NBA is probably going too far by trying to make by trying to bring in new viewership, or you think they're just overreacting? What's up? So before before I give my take on the seventy eight game season, what I want to ask you guys, and that I couldn't find information on, to be clear is with the 78 reduced, like, would it just take away back-to-backs as a whole, or how would that work Nope. No, nah, it wouldn't because for the simple fact that first, they're going to take away four games. I mean, they might eliminate, if they would just to flat out just take four games away from everybody, it might eliminate maybe like one or two back-to-backs for each team, which I guess that helped, but you still have back-to-backs that exist. Okay. In a, in a nutshell, because like the Clippers have 13 back-to-backs. So taking out four games... Oh would only reduce it at max to nine back to back. Okay. So see what I'm saying? So that wouldn't help a lot. But then the fact is they're reducing it by four games, but then they're gonna include an in-game tournament as they're playing. So 
back the bets wouldn't go away because the tournament would just make up those four games. Well, and so so to to give to give your to give my opinion, I do I do see some positivity and I do see some positivity in the schedule changes, especially the play in tournament caught my eye, especially because. I think even if we do the play-in tournament, we could incorporate it. I'm saying we as I, as if I work for the NBA. If y'all want to hire me, hey, I'll please. Listen. <laughs> but um, I mean, if if we if I mean if the if the in-game tournament is included, I think it could still work out because in my mind, this is how I saw it working. Because when I read it, said that it it would be the divisions. So there are six divisions in the NBA. So it would be the divisions playing a round-robin style tournament. And then after the tournament, the teams with the top records will play in a playoff, and the two and the teams with the two highest records will have a first round bye. Is what I got from it. So it would be four games. Then it would be the next two teams, kind of like kind of like the wild card in the playoffs for the NFL. So, but the way I can see that still working and still incorporating that into the seventy-eight game season is that when instead of having divisional games throughout the season, you save the divisional games for the tournament. Where, where hmm. I see it, and with that being with that being said, I think that could still be incorporated and eliminating, and and also you say the number of back to backs for that tournament. So I feel like that I feel like the changes could be good, and I feel like them being implemented, if implemented the correct way, could be done. Well, see, we talked about this before. I think like the biggest problem was we were saying that what's the incentive uh-huh. for doing uh-huh. this? So it was like say, oh, what if we get higher draft odds for the teams? Okay, like okay, teams might care about that, but players like Kawhi Leonard don't care about the Clippers draft uh-huh. odds, or even or even teams that don't have a draft pick, they're not going to care about that. So why would they even like really participate? And there's also been like money incentives, but there's like money incentives for like the All Star game, and people still don't care about mm-hmm. that. They're like winning that and stuff like that. So reducing so what's the what's the i from my understanding if they reduce the game by four games they remove the season by four games i think at max if you're a team that make it to the end of the end season tournament you'll end up playing maybe like one maybe two more games more than everybody uh-huh. else but i think there's an if the incentive which i didn't read that this could be an incentive but if, if this w- actually would be an incentive is to get a first round buy i think that's very attractive oh, yeah. to teams Most and players. I think more teams and players would love to get, you know, go into the first round and not have to play. I think, I think teams would love that. Now the problem is this: like, how do you kind of make the playoffs work still? Because like, what if the like uh, the Kings get to win the tournaments by some miraculous, and, yeah, or happenstance, and they get in, and they let's say their record isn't even a top eight record in the West. Are they still allowed in the playoffs? And, and see that that's a conversation. I actually had this conversation with another person I was talking, and that's a conversation I had with them. I was like, "What if you know the rest? Like, let's just say, like you said, on the off chance, let's say the Kings, you know, because they're probably the worst team in our division because we're not anymore. But um, you know, let's say, <laughs> let's Ooh. say the, and, and the Kings. Got, I don't know. The Kings' record is the same as y'all now, ain't okay, it? Okay, let's. I might be tripping. Yeah. Run, roll, run, roll. Keep going, Cam. But Cam. anyway, let's just say, let's just say by some off chance, you know, the other teams are injured, uh, or the Kings just miraculously go on this really hot streak, and they go and win the tournament. If that happens, and then the Kings finish with like the 13th or 14th best record in the conference, like how would they? How would they still get into the tournament? Like, it, it, there, there are definitely kinks that need to be worked out. But I feel like these changes could be positive. And something that I've learned is the only constant in life is change. 
So I feel like moving forward, that's a bar. The on moving forward, we need to embrace it. And also, I've seen that many of the owners aren't adverse to in, are unaverse to these changes. So they're probably going to take effect. We just need to accept it and you know try to make them as positive as possible. See, the thing is, that's just like a lot of changes at one time, and I do, uh, I do see the point yeah. in all these changes. While I don't agree with all of them in the format that they've been explained. Um, I do see what we're trying to do with all of them. Uh, even though I don't want a reduction of the game, games, if they're just going to put the games back, that doesn't really you know, do it for me in um, a player player upkeep kind of way. But also, Cam, one thing you did say, um, save all the divisional games. It's like one space. That wouldn't really make sense for like travel issues because imagine like being the Lakers and then having to go across the country for all of your games. Sometimes that game just to you know play the Clippers is really good for just not having to leave, get on a plane, yeah. you know, every other day instead of always having to go to the east, always having to do something else. Um so saving saving all the home for like a mean three weeks mm-hmm. for the tournament, that would be kind of um iffy on them. But yeah, I, I do see the point in all these, but it is like a massive amount of changes at one time. Um and I think that actually may knock a few people away from watching mm-hmm. than if they gradually brought these things in. Um, over time. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I'm gonna say this. The thing is, I feel like diehard fans, people who love basketball, guys like us, I really doubt any of us would quit watching basketball. Casual fans, we're already losing the viewership there, so I'm I don't see how adding these fun and incentive, you know, these fun and engaging things like an NCAA tournament would, uh, tr- you know, you know, make them not want to watch if they aren't already tuning in as it is. You but know what well, I I think that these changes, I don't think the hardcore fans would leave. If these changes happen over time, gradually, but if all these happen at one time, boom, all those things we read in that article happen in one season, two seasons, uh-huh. there's going to be some person over the age of 50 say, this isn't the league that I grew up in. This isn't, especially like games being taken away. All my people had to watch, play all these games, get all these records that may deter people from coming back. If there's an in-season tournament, they're playing less games, all this kind of stuff, because but- people are as important as change is people aren't static people um especially the higher up they get in age now our generation we're going to watch because we are enthusiastic about this we um are more player advocates so we're definitely going to watch but i can see it dissuading a lot of people older from watching i mean the main demographic for the nba is 18 to 34 years old that's like that's where the bulk of their viewership come from if this was the nfl this'd be a different conversation oh yeah the nfl thrives off of that 34 and older you wouldn't want to tick them off because then you would lose a great deal of viewership. So long as you play, if you were to start something with your base being young people, they don't really remember. They won't, you know, remember what the '90s were like. So this would be a brand new experience that they could grow up and grow into. So I, that's that's what I think. But I'm gonna ask. But not to say I'm wait, like, wait, oh, wait, one I, more, one more thing on that. Uh, that is a dangerous game to play though because the 18 to 34 year old demographic is also the ones that are watching the games through Twitter, it, watching the games through exactly. social media apps. So you to to put all your eggs in that basket while trying to make sweeping changes, I don't think that would be smart mm-hmm. to do at one no, time. No. But I will say this, I agree with you that every of these things should not happen at once. I feel like this is that is too big of drastic changes to do all at once. I think they're trying to sneak it in because the seventy fifth anniversary yeah, that's exactly what of, it the, is. Yeah. of the league is coming into effect and they want to you know do something might I don't still want to do something monumental. But I do agree, like you made a point, Dr. Lund. The reason that viewership is down is mostly because people have stuck to watching games via social media. Also, there's a ton of illegal places you go watch games. Yeah. 
for free, and it's easy to find and very accessible. How do you watch your games, Jordan? There's... I use. Don't worry oh. about it. As... You... Hey, you, you go. Please? <laughs> Delon, uh... DJ hey, you Delon. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. But anyway, so I think those are major things. I think that's a major. Also, look, people don't have cable. Like, there's a lot of people who don't even own cable anymore. Now, I think that's the main thing that's taken away from the viewership, like on TNT late at night. So, I I really don't think that these. Th- I think these things could help, but I also think that we may be over um, reacting by thinking that this is what's necessary to fix the problem at hand. I I read I an article because I also keep up with wrestling and all that. Those ratings too. Um, in their conference call, they said that. Rating across all of television is down an average of 2 million viewers per station, per show, per everything. And this is over the last three years. So I know a lot of these sports leagues are kind of taking that like to heart. Like it's them and they have to do something. It's really not you that needs to like, it's just television, the medium. And there really isn't any stopping that. So while I do appreciate the changes, I just hope that, all these sports leagues don't just start making all these sweeping changes trying to save something that is impossible to save with streaming services yeah. and other mediums to watch stuff. 100% agree. I'm going to ask you this. What's what's one, out of these four things we mentioned, the reduce, um, the reducing the games, the 78 games, the play-in tournament to the playoffs, the receding of the last four teams, and the um, end the in-season tournament what is the one thing that you like the most out of those four that you would like to see happen next so year? um the one that i would want to see the most would be the seven through ten uh the seven through ten play-in playoff format and the reason i would like to see that most is because for one it's not i feel like it's not <laughs> a super drastic change that would be made because typically, if you look at especially the Western Conference the last couple of years, seven through ten has probably been one or two game difference, and I would like to, and that would just be like something that was super, that's super competitive, and teams like literally fighting for their life just to get to the next round and get beat. beat. But I mean, it would be something, it would be something that would be super competitive and something that I think would be fun, and also wouldn't be too drastic of a change either. Because I don't think we care too much about who the eight seed is because. Nine times out of ten, they're gonna go to the next round and lose. Let's see, not even nine times out of ten. I'm pretty sure that percentage is even higher than that. Maybe nine, nine out of a hundred. But listen, that's my question. As a player, as a team full of players and coaching staff, as a 10 seed, you most definitely want to compete in this tournament to get to the AC and be in the playoffs and compete in the playoffs. The Clippers, the Clippers season was a success last year because they got to the playoffs and were able to compete against the Warriors and prove that hey, we got something special here. Kawhi PG, come on mm-hmm. down. They wouldn't have been. A, they wouldn't have had a chance to the 10 seed. Things would have been a lot different for the Clippers if they didn't make the playoffs. I said it all year long. I said, look, y'all saying the Clippers don't season don't matter. I said if they make the playoffs. That's a good look on them. But the thing is, the team, like the team from the GM, the front office staff. If you're the 10th seed, do you give up? Well, I'm gonna say this. Maybe they have to make it so that even if you're the 10th seed and you end up getting in the playoffs as the AC, maybe they need to make sure you keep your same lottery odds mm. because if you're the 10th seed would you want to give up your current lottery odds just to become the ac and get the hell beat out of you this or would you rather or would you rather stay the 10th seed and keep and stay where you are in the draft you see what i'm saying that's that's mm-hmm. the only issue i see with that i think my favorite change that i would like to see would probably be the top four seeds 
the, the last four teams reseeded. Uh-huh. Agreed. So it's not necessarily wet. That's why it's not the East versus West. Because I think they said that if we had done it this past season, it would have been the Bucks versus the Trailblazers. Ooh. And it would, which would have been, you know, the Bucks would have beat would have beat them. Meaning that it would, and it would have been the Raptors versus the Warriors with the with the Raptors most likely um, coming. I mean, most likely with the with the Raptors coming on top of the Warriors, so we would have had the Bucks versus um, the Raptors in the finals. Raptors in the finals instead. You know how they so, ended. I, yeah, we know how that would have ended now. But like I said, I feel like that would have been a great format. I, I think I like that idea. That way, you make sure you get the best two teams. Yeah. In the finals. Well, I don't really have favorites. I do have two least favorites. Um, <laughs> so, the play-in for the playoffs or the in-season tournament. I do like the play-in for the playoffs. However, it has to be one or the other for me. Because the more we have these little play-ins, these tournaments, we're looking real AAU. We're looking real NCAA. And it's 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 just takes away maturity from it for me. If it's just a bunch of little tournaments in between, like in the season. Just a little... If yeah. for me, but I do like the um, play-in thing. My other thing that I dislike, I do dislike the reducing the regular season. Um, I would rather them personally. I would like to see them just extend, just take away the back-to-backs and extend how long they're going. Because I don't think anyone would complain if we just you know had basketball and close that gap on when there's only baseball on TV to, to the NFL season starting. Oh, please, um, but. But that being said, I know a couple years ago Greg Popovich said the moment y'all extend the season into July, y'all ain't gonna see me no more. So he's like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> so that's just a long yeah, a lot time of- to be basketball, basketball for like a human being. Like that's just that sounds like a lot to ask of someone. It looks, yeah, players enjoyed it off season. Yeah. Like you, they're not gonna want to give that up. The extended season, even if it means less back to backs, that's on the lead to fix the back to backs yeah. and the current format is in. But like reducing the season, like if they even weren't even to put the play in tournament, reducing the season by four games wouldn't help a lot. Granted, they can't reduce it by more than that because reducing it by four games for each team, that's uh that's 120 games the league is losing. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. So the, the, the you know reduce it by more than that. The league will be losing a significant amount of money, which they're not going to go. For. Well, they, they may not lose it because ticket prices will raise then. Yeah, but like I said, that just hurts. That hurts all around because then you might have less people buying tickets. That's also true. But but based on the way the Spurs are playing, maybe it's time to get rid of Pop. <laughs> so, oh my God. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Not be time. If, if I need to send him on up to <laughs> but like, what is it? What I said, Becky Hammond's time to shine. They can probably tip Duncan, though. I ain't gonna lie to you. Mm. All right, <laughs> moving on to the next topic, just so we can keep it on the ball rolling. It's time for an over under. We haven't done this in a while. And this is basically where Delon give us a topic and we talk about whether or not it's overrated or underrated. What you got, Delon? In the mid 2000s, the West Coast mainstream music scene was in a drought. Lil John, T.I., and Ludacris. <sighs> running wild in Atlanta. Eminem had a clamp on the Midwest. New York had Dipset, yes, on their downswing, but they also had the tank known as G-Unit, led by 50 Cent. Mm. 
Los Angeles and the entire West Coast was just an afterthought. But then comes game. Jason Taylor was born in Compton, California. His parents were allegedly Crips, which made Thanksgiving mighty awkward when Jason became a blood. He also was allegedly recruited to Washington State University on a basketball scholarship, but got kicked out for selling drugs, even though the university and basketball staff claimed to have never had any form of communication with that gentleman at any point whatsoever. However, that sounds right. What? However, he later became known as The Game as he signed to Dr. Dre's Aftermath record label in two, 2003 off the strength of his mixtape, You Know What It Is, Volume 1. He was then shoehorned into G-Unit in order to let him ride the wave of the hottest act in hip-hop at the time. In 2005, Game released the documentary, officially becoming the torch holder for the West Coast. This album featured singles such as How We Do, Hate It or Love It, West Side Story, and Dreams. The album sold 4.5 million albums to date and is generally regarded, regarded as a classic, even though it battles claims a 50-cent writing majority of the album. Um... And then this is usually the part where I go like album by album, but this nigga got like 10 albums, so I'm just going to um, put some highlights. Yeah, yeah don't do he that. He famously beefed with 50 Cent G-Unit. He also beefed with Suge Knight, which may or may not have led to Suge Knight getting shot in 2005. He beefed with Jay-Z and the entirety of Rockefeller Records after the game started a label with the same name. Praise comes from his generally good beat selection. Um, and his rapping ability, but a big criticism of the game is his name dropping. On the documentary, for instance, the game names another human to fit a rhyme scheme 145 times. Um, and if you think oh about that, God. the game said another nigga's name 145 different times <laughs> on an album. Think about that. Um, another uh, another criticism is him often being regarded as a overall creep with pillow talking, dirty macking, sexual harassment charges, and being a Nip Nipsey Hussle clone in 2019. <laughs> um, so, um, we held a poll on our Twitter with 75 voters. We had 11% of them claimed him to be overrated, 33% claimed to be underrated, and 43% claim him to be fairly regarded. So, gentlemen, is the game overrated or underrated? Yeah, as a as a Lover of hip of West Coast hip hop and being born in like '95, the West Coast that I grew to love was because of the game with the documentary. The uh, what was the next album called? God, I'm dropping a blank uh, right now. LAX. Yeah, no, it wasn't LAX. It was the one before LAX. It was documentary, and then it was something else. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. But those albums are what made me a fan of West Coast rap. I feel like. The game effectively bridged the gap between Dr. Dre, Snoop, those legends, to what became Kendrick Lamar. And I didn't really realize it at the time when I was listening to the game. It wasn't until that they passed the torch to Kendrick. I realized that, wait a minute, the only West Coast legend in the past decade and a half was the game? Right. That's crazy. The game? Like, that's it? Because it was like a bunch of old niggas from the 90s, and then it was the game. And I was like, wow, <laughs> the game was like really the, that guy before Kendrick, TDE, uh, Future, and all those other acts popped up. And I was like, oh, he was getting... And then the game's like on the... Lil B. Yeah, Lil B. And then you look at the Red album, he was... <laughs> you look at the... You look you look at the Red album, he was giving features to Tyler, the Creator. He was giving features to Kendrick Lamar. It was... Like, he was, like when people try to credit Drake for putting Kendrick Lamar on, Kendrick oh. was... All, Kendrick appeared multiple times on the game albums before appearing... I'll take care on that interlude that most people in there haven't actually heard, which is a major, which was a major studio album, and which I'm pretty sure actually introduced him to his major fan base there in California. The game 
bridge the in two different he's the bridge between two generations of west coast rap while being able to hang with both sides i don't feel like the game is more like his predecessors or even more so like his successors he has been and then again as far as his albums go i feel like all of them are good if they aren't i feel like that is a classic and if you move on up from there i feel like he's made nothing but good to great albums there's only like one album i feel like is not that great and I think it's that 1974, whatever that year was. 1992. 1994, 1992. Like I, I, it's cool. It's cool. I, I just couldn't get into it. But I feel like everything else he's made has been great. He's still a very good rapper. His main, with the main critique being that he name drops a lot. But I'm like, the music sounds good. So I don't, I, I never really got understood and hating the name drop things. Except when he speaks kind of, it's when he takes credit for certain people sometimes. That's the only time I feel like the name drop is unnecessary. But more, more than anything, he's been a very good rapper for a very long time. And I feel like he deserves flowers. Like like I said, he started back in the early 2000s. It's not 2019. He released what many people are considering a good album. Like, that's that's an incredible stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, not many people could rap to, to that same level, to that same extent, from the early 2000s to 2019, if we've seen in many rappers. What do you think, Cord? Man, I would just like to say that. Ah, man. Oh, you know what? Okay, I ain't gonna hate. I'm gonna say the game is underrated. Even though he did slip me and Suge Knight, my two LA goats, I'm gonna let him cook. I look at like the game gave Kendrick some of his first big features. He took Nipsey Hussle on his first tour. He has done everything in his power to uphold and praise West Coast artists his entire career. And he did it while stepping on the necks of every other rapper in every other state. <laughs> <laughs> he never dropped the bad project in my eyes. Every verse is always on point, especially the one when he did that freestyle for like four years straight. But the freestyle was hot, you know, it's recycled. I look at the game as one of those artists who deserves more credit than he gets, but I think that people tend to overlook him because of the antics. And when I talk about the game influence, one thing I give him a lot of credit for is when you look at like crazy antics in hip hop and beef. He really was one of the pioneers of that. It's just that at the time it wasn't acceptable, so we looked at him like he was crazy. And you know, you know, and, and even now, even though like the majority of the rappers do the stuff that he does now, when he does it, we kind of look at him sideways, like, man, why you still doing this? It's been ten years. You still name dropping? You going to people's city, acting like you there? You know, like, you know, people look at that kind of stuff. They they kind of they treat you differently, and I I don't think he deserves an ounce of the slander he gets. The creep stuff is, is 100% warranted. I think it's more so they feel like, like, dude, you haven't grew up yet. Like, I think, I think that's more so with, exactly. like, with beef other people. And a lot of other beats be, it just be unnecessary. It'd be like me, DeLon, getting in a fight, and then you just pop in and say, you know what, I never liked you either, Jordan, you know, and just punch me in the face. I'm like, wait, dude, this ain't your fight. Like, you don't even know we arguing What's about. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That, the game has done that multiple times where the beef wasn't between him and somebody else. It was between two other people. And he just kind of stepped yeah. in between them and said, I don't like neither one of y'all niggas. I just want y'all to know that. I'm like, all right, bro, we'll deal with you later. Like, I don't understand. Why couldn't you tell me this before? Why can't you save it later? That's It makes him look like an attention whore, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Wait, was the game the first clout chaser? Yes. <laughs> no hesitation. Damn. <laughs> nah, he he was, he he was the first cloud chaser. I'm sure there was somebody in the '90s who was, you know, Tupac. Uh, fifty. Ah, oh. oh, man, spicy. spicy. Niggas, niggas ain't gonna want to hear that one now. 
I'm, I'm, I'm hope, hopefully nobody heard that. But all right, what about you, Delon? Do you think? How do you think? How do you rate the game? Um, I rate them fairly highly. I feel like all the all the antics, the really corny ones, have come like later in his career. Uh the only album that I don't like the name is the Red Album. I like it. It's just it's it's a clusterfuck. There's like 35 features on there. Um, but other than that, I do actually like all of his album. Um. Other than that, I really don't have a complaint about the game. He is one of the rappers who, no matter who he's on a song with, he can change his style to fit that type of song. Facts. Um, and a lot of people, and a lot of people try to criticize him for that. They're like, oh, this game be ripping other people. I'm like, no, I feel like that's a good, that shows versatility yeah. that you could do a song with Drake, Kendrick, Lil Dicky, uh, Lil Dicky, Tyler Wait, Creator, what? and no matter who you make a song with, you can adapt to what they're doing to make them feel at home on their beat. That's talent. Yeah, that that is talent. Yeah. That ain't even. Um, and I will say the name dropping thing. While I'm not like, because I feel like people just like point out like one small thing and run with it. Uh, I think that's an yeah, example yeah. of that. The name dropping thing though, I do notice it because he like his line just be like, he be reaching to make that name fit. Like he just be reaching to rhyme that word, but it's really not the biggest of deals. Um, yeah, man, I, I I think he's pretty underrated. I think he has one of the better catalogs in hip hop. I'll say that you heard it here first. The game is underrated. You won't hear you won't hear it anywhere else because a lot of people openly despise the game. And like I said, it's hard to actually appreciate the game in public because you know they'll bring up his weirdo stuff. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't agree. And, with that one. and he's in a top five beef in all of hip hop. Talking about between him and Fifty? Yeah, yeah. That's a top. Agree. That's a top. Five. Off- top ten at least. Him I would say this right. Two piece in the same pod. That's facts. I would say you absolutely right. I think the only problem is that they have so many beefs that people overlook that one. Nah, you can't. You can't. I'm, you can't overlook G. You not. You can't. You can't overlook. <laughs> I remember G-U-Not. looking up. I remember looking up uh, Fifty Cent beefs. I remember. I remember seeing he had a beef with Oprah at one point. I think that shit was hilarious. <laughs> some, niggas, some niggas really hate everybody. Like him and the game really deal hate everybody and everything. Yeah. I kind of yeah. can't stand Oprah sometimes too though. Yeah, well, that's a different. That's a different. Hey, hold on, man. Hey, did y'all see Kid Rock this and Oprah like two days ago, and they dragged him off stage because he was drunk? Yeah. <laughs> what did he say? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, you know, man. <laughs> what racist white men say about it, black man. women? So. Okay, uh, okay, okay. We'll talk about it off air. Oh, and when we'll he got drunk off the stage, he insisted that he's not racist. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I definitely want some wild shit. We'll talk but about it later. Oh, that's a game. Hate it or love it. One of the better songs in the pantheon of hip hop. Big fan of it. Oh, it's one of my big favorites. Fans. I love that damn song. I'm, I love it so much. I'm just a casual hip hop fan, and I'm a big fan of that song. Yes, sir. All right, moving on to the next topic. I want to talk to you guys about Pascal Siakam. <laughs> Who's having a, a phenomenal, <laughs> a phenomenal season? He went from averaging, I believe. Let me find. Let me see the numbers. Sakam went from averaging sixteen point nine points, six point nine rebounds, three point one assists, to averaging twenty five points this season, three point nine assists this season, and eight point six rebounds this season. He is shooting a blistering thirty eight percent from three. On six attempts from three, compared to last season where he he shot only like three attempts a game, but he shot around thirty six percent. He's up to three point um, rate. He's handling ball, breaking down defenders from the perimeter, and driving and finishing at the rim. He's 
breaking down defenders with his handles and doing pull-up threes in people's faces, people have been saying, hey, Pascal Siakam, I think he could be the first guy to win most improved two years in a row. Because he jumped from seven points in his second season to 16, 17 points in his third season. And now he's at 25 points in his third season, which is kind of close to the jump that Brandon Ingram has made from his from his past season to this season. But I'm going to take it a step further. Possibly Siakam is current, and the Raptors are currently the second seed in the East, despite the fact that Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka have been injured for like over like two to three weeks. Siakam has put a team on his back and has helped carry them to what is now the second record in the East. Let me just. So my question is this, is Siakam closer to most improved or to most valuable player? Oh, MIP or MVP? Okay, so before I answer this question, I want to dive in and I want to say first that I can appreciate Pascal Siakam so much just because he is one of those players that, you know, all summer we see videos of Devin Booker working out. We see videos of Trey Young working out. We see Melo with the hoodie on. We see MB talking about how he's lost weight and he's in the best shape. Jokic saying he's in the best shape. So it's just really refreshing to see somebody like Pascal Siakam and to see him that was quiet all summer. And we knew that the Raptors were going to struggle because Kawhi left. And it was it's just really refreshing to see someone like him um, come out and without saying a word and doing what he's doing right now. And, you know, increasing his play and playing and playing to a level that's keeping his team afloat while two of his co-stars, well, I won't say co-stars, but two of his, you know, second and third best player on the team are injured. So it was really refreshing to see that. To answer your question, I think the MVP conversation right now is really crowded, especially with it being early in the season. I think it's really crowded. I would say he was really close to winning MIP, most improved player. Now, it's going to be tough to beat out Brandon Ingram because of the narrative and because of what's going on. Mm-hmm. But also, with Zion coming back, that that's probably going to, you know, it's probably going to cool. His numbers are probably going to come down just a little bit. Uh, but I think I, I would definitely bring him close to winning back-to-back most improved player rather than most valuable player. Yeah, because right now the MVP race is led by Braun, uh, Giannis, Harden, and Doncic. He he had he's even though he's been good, he had to be turn up another level exactly to touch that. But I do feel like he should be in the MVP conversation just for just 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 because just because he has shown to be. A player better than we thought it was. But actually, like looking at his numbers, since Kyle Lowry went down, he is averaging 23 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and a block. But he's only shooting like 41%, probably due to the fact he had to take 20 shots a game. Right. This is a mark. Like this, that's a lot of um, pressure for him on the offense. But despite that, the, I think even, and then, like I said, even while I think he's been great, not only with Kyle Lowry's here, but also now, I think a lot of the Raptors' success is due and part to Nick Nurse mm. and what he's done with his team. I remember Nick Nurse was complaining about who was it? who your boy um from Detroit court Stanley Johnson. You not gonna put slander on that man name? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna put slander on. But this summer, um, Nick Nurse said he was complaining. Well, he was complaining, but he was fussing about how 
some of the newcomers weren't buying into on on the defensive end of the ball. And he said, "You can't play on this Raptors team if you aren't gonna play buy into the defense. Like I don't care what you do on offense. If you ain't playing defense, you can't be on the floor. The Raptors currently have the second best defense in the league. Actually, it might be the first. I can't I can't remember what it is. It's top two right now. Like that's incredible when you think about how good of a defender Cal Lowry is, how good a defender that uh." Ibaka is, and you lose both of them, and you still have a top two defense. It's interesting that Stanley, I think, I say, I'll go ahead. I was say, I think so much of the thing, things are going so well for Siakam. Now, I, I do think he did get better over the summer, but I'm going to give some credit to um, Nick Nurse and the incredible system he's built to allow anybody to get theirs from Terrence Davis mm-hmm. from Ole Miss. Shout out. Shout out to him, who's been hooping. And Chris Boucher, I think that's how you say his name, this random guy who looks like uh, Chris Bosch reincarnated <laughs> as a Toronto rapper again. Like he's been hooping. It's been a couple other guys who just been who been given the Raptors quality minutes, and I feel like that maybe this should maybe the question should be more so: Should Nick Nurse be coach of the year? And I right now he's not coach of the year. I was just gonna say I find it really interesting that Stanley Johnson didn't want to commit on defense, being the mediocre offensive player that he is. I think he's just you've been spicy lately, Chief. (laughs) You've been spicy with a lot of plays lately, and I've I've noticed it. You know what? You good? You know what? (laughs) You let the y'all let the Suns start off the season well, so I'm coming at everybody's neck right now. Now, 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 granted, we now, granted, we fallen, we fallen back to earth, and I'm being a little bit more humble lately. But you know, I'm just you know, uh, I'm in, I'm in, you know, you know how, you know how I do. I mean, I mean, Cam is right though. Stanley Johnson is not a great offensive player, and I could have sworn his calling card was defense anyway. But I think it's just from hey. years of being in um, being with the Pistons made him complacent, and now he realized that oh shit, this ain't that. This is a championship team. They trying to play championship defense. So they actually want to win here. Exactly. Yeah, they actually want to win here. Maybe it's maybe he'll turn around, but I don't think he's touched the court so far this season. We'll see if he's even on the roster anymore. I have to double check that. He might have gave him the boot. All right. Speaking of Atlanta second chances, it's time for your favorite segment. It's time for Who's Wildin', where Corey gives us somebody in this week who has done something irredeemable or done something absolutely wild. So, Corey, who do you have? Man, for this week, for Who's Wildin', I have none other than the young artist out the D.C. area, Goldlink. You know Goldlink. I know Goldlink. We know Goldlink. Gold Link was one of my favorite artists of Double XL. I was kind of late on him, but I thought the God Complex was a great project. I think Gold Link is an incredibly talented artist. He's just kind of having a little rough spot because he, you know, like my personal thing, I just think he hasn't just found his sound yet, which a lot of people go through. But this week, he reminded the world who he was in the worst way possible <laughs> by hopping on Instagram. <laughs> And sending shots at rappers. And you know, sending shots at rappers, that's not uncommon. It's something we see every day. But it's something entirely different when that said rapper is deceased. Goldlink hopped on IG and made a long, extremely passive aggressive argument towards Mac Miller, who's been dead for what, a year and yeah. It's been yeah. it's been like a year and some time. Yeah. For a year and some change. And he's and when I saw it, I said, nah, I ain't gonna look at it. But I read the first sentence. I said, yeah, this nigga again, who was wildin'. What was the first sentence, Cord? I found out you was dead, but I was not surprised. <laughs> what? Just that <laughs> statement alone 
speaks volumes to the level of disrespect he was getting to. And I said, it can't possibly get worse than this. And it got worse. So much worse. So he goes on this entire rant about me on my first tour. You showed me love and nobody else wouldn't, but everything went downhill when I played you a single to my project. And who was the artist that was featured on the singer? Anderson Pac. One of Jordan's favorite artists. One of my favorite artists. A little bit. Sometimes. Every now. And Gold Link was very happy about that, which I can understand. You know, a bigger artist show you love. You can't help but to feel good. But I guess what everybody got confused in the post was the fact that he said that Mac Miller stole his sound because Mac Miller took a single with Anderson Pack. And Goldlink felt like, I don't know if he felt like it was clout chasing, just straight up stealing or what. And he just came through with all these accusations like, I told you about the concept of my album and you went and took it. But you know, I'm going to say this when certain artists say that I agree about a relationship, anybody can do that. Like, he ain't steal your exact relationship. No, exactly. I don't and, think I don't think they're stealing. Like, I, no. like, I, I would say this like because you was I tried to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I don't understand what he was trying to prove with this point. And so like, I'm I, gonna say this. I really don't. At, at this stage, everybody in mama was getting an Anderson Pack feature. Like he was on everybody's songs from yeah, he was um, hot. He was from Rhapsody. I can't draw blanks on the other people, but he was appearing almost everywhere after the Compton album that he where he first appeared on Dr. Dre's album. He started being featured everywhere. I was like, oh, this guy's great. Oh, he was on Schoolboy Q's album. Who's yeah. also a friend of Mac Miller. Like, he was just, exactly. he was literally everywhere at a good point. And to say somebody's stealing your sound when he, Mac Miller's record, Dane, does not sound like Unique, which had Aaron Pack. All. Like, those two songs don't sound at like. All. Matter of fact, Dane don't really sound like uh, something off the of God Complex or even like, uh, off of um, I forgot the name of the second album. I'm drawing a blank on. That's, that's my favorite album. That's, that's the crazy thing. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to blanks on a lot of projects right now. I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but yeah, I like none of that stuff sounds. I even like the Divine Feminine. The Divine Feminine. I don't listen to that. I don't think Gold Link. Like I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't quite understand Gold Link why. Gold has a lot bouncier sound than what the Divine Feminine was. So that yes. is that comparison just threw me off. Yeah, I was almost like because you know like usually I do who's wild and like. I'm cracking jokes and stuff, but I can't even like I don't understand what angle he was trying to take with this. Like I have no clue what message he was trying to give out, or or, or maybe he was just super depressed and he just felt like he had to get it off his chest. But it just looked crazy. Like you on the internet saying I loved you, but you did me dirty. You really didn't, but I felt like you did. Like I don't get what he was trying to come to with that. Yeah, I don't saying like what's the message? Well, I guess the message that he wanted people to receive was that hey. Me and Mac Miller weren't always on best of terms, but I've I finally forgiven him. It's basically that's basically the red ass. Me and Mac Miller weren't always cool, but I finally forgive him. So yeah, I forgive Mac Miller. And we're like, it's literally the equivalent of no one, absolutely no one, gold link. Like it's that mean format where I was like, bro, we didn't even know you had a problem with Mac Miller. Why are you telling us you finally forgive him? Like I don't understand. Like. Like, why bring this up now? Why not bring this up when he was alive? Why not, like, why nobody knew that now? Exactly. Like, it, make, it makes zero sense in all honesty. Golden looks like a clown. And it looks like a bigger clown because he released an album early this year called Diaspora. I don't know how you said that word. But he, uh, he released an album early this year. And I was getting ready to listen to it. 
because I'm a big Gold Link fan. I love the guy. I, I found him on on SoundCloud. He did a bunch of flips of old TLC songs. I said, "Oh, this is this has a crazy bounce to it." I'm not very familiar with in hip hop right at this current moment, and I listened to the um. So I give me a listen to the album, and I probably get on Twitter. I see somebody, an artist, say that he stole the cover art and art that he's using for the album and the album name from a, a smaller artist woman. I said, "Oh, maybe that's maybe it's a coincidence." And then, I, and then I saw more proof, and I said, "Oh, he's stealing, stealing." And then Smino came out and addressed him, and said, "Hey, you stole word for word lyrics from one of my unreleased songs that I played for you." What the hell? Which is kind of so. Thief. Hearing that, hearing that, I had to put off listening to the album because I felt like I can't, I can't listen to nobody do stuff like this. Just to find, just for me to find some album like a couple weeks ago, then this shit happened. So the the thing I'm trying to say is that it's so funny to see him being so upset and having such harboring such hard feelings toward a dead person for doing some for doing for doing something that doesn't even it doesn't like even seem to closely mimic him but he literally stole word for word concepts ideas artwork and lyrics from other people you think it's clown. guilt you think clown. it's guilt maybe he like one of them people <laughs> cause maybe it's the fact that like he done so many artists dirty and when he saw like Mac Miller oh, he probably looked at it like oh you trying to do me like I do everybody else you know what, Corey? I think that's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a, it's the fact where you you've done people this way. So now when you see somebody doing something similar, you assume that they're out to get you the same way we're out to get them. Ugh. I think it's like mad. This sounds. This might not be the right word. Predatorial of him, because um, he's been like seeking attention on the internet all week. Like he had to think about the Grammys last week, which in a vacuum seemed like a very good thing to say, but then. He went on stage to talk about all the rappers who he surprised got the best rap album, talking about Corday, talking about Tyler, talking about Beak Mill, and kind of was flippant about their albums when just before he was like, y'all didn't respect Tyler, y'all didn't respect all this music. So now you just sound like you're trying to play it up with the media, but then on your concert, you're being shady and fake, and then on Instagram, you're disrespecting Mac Miller, but trying to make it like you were doing him a favor. I don't know. It was really weird. Um... But I will say, I did see Golding and hear his music for the first time, well, seriously, on the Good AM tour with Mac Miller. So, that is pretty, uh, I'm not going to say cool. So, that was like where the beef started. So, you know, that, uh, I don't know, this is a weird situation. <laughs> yeah, in all honesty, it is. I don't really have any other words to share about it. So, I'm, let's, let's just move on because I, I've lost an uh, absolutely large amount of respect for Goldling. I probably won't ever be able to look at his music the same way, in all honesty. I hate it because he's a very unique artist. Stream Shake West. No, yeah, he's a racist. No, no, no. Abuser. <laughs> he a what? Oh, abuser. I'm sorry. I don't he's know about the rape abuser. Part. Yeah. Ah, yeah. come on. I mean, just as bad. Come on. We're not, we're just as bad. We, semantics. Semantics. He's he's a terrible person. That's 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 the Damn. bottom line. Moving on to the next topic. Also. Famous social media post. Kyrie Irving made a post on, I think it was Snapchat after the Celtics, the first Celtics. It was in, it was um, actually his Instagram game. story. People got stuff on Instagram, so he released a um, statement on Instagram story uh, addressing the media and everybody who were criticizing him for not playing in the Nets Celtics game because it just seemed oddly convenient that he just happens to have an injury that sidelined him for both of those games. 
just just very 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 convenient but when i so let me just read some of this to you guys uh Kyrie ever says it happens all the time tonight just shows how sports entertainment will always be ignorant and, obst- and obstrusive it's one big show that means very very little in the real world that most people live in because there are actually things that matter going on within it like figure out a life that means more to you than a damn ball going into a hoop or learning how to grow up being in a fishbowl of society based on your popularity level as a person or even dealing with becoming the leader of your family after someone's passing and not knowing how to deal with life after it happens but this game of sports entertainment matters more than someone's mental health and well-being, right? And I think you kind of get the gist of it from there. But it's basically Kyrie is saying that we care too much that we care too much about basketball, and we're and we care to the point that we are challenging him as he's challenging his character and him as a human being based off of what we see from him as a basketball player. Do you feel like Kyrie is right in his assessment that we have become too absorbed? in basketball and we become too absorbed in these players lives or do you feel like yes. you know it's, it's a typical Kyrie rant so explain cool you said I, yes I agree with Kyrie Irving a thousand percent when he was in the Boston Celtics a lot of people felt like you know he was reserved he didn't really talk to people he avoided everybody but I've seen, I seen some people come out lately and say that his grandfather died while he was there but everybody don't take death the same way so when you look at something like they don't talk about like I don't think he was just ever just kind of like the I right, so we go do this we go do that we go do it I think he's the one to hoop and go home which I ain't got no issue with I feel like a lot of people put extra pressure on him to be something that he's not but we know he's a talented basketball player and that's all that should matter and I felt like he had to come out and say that because a lot of Boston fans blame him for what went down last year and then you know and you know they wanted him to come back to play to hold him to the fire. But this is why I got to get on Boston fans here because y'all know I'm going to bring this up anytime I talk about Boston. When Isaiah Thomas played for the Celtics, his sister died in a car accident, and he went and played while he was injured, and he gave everything to their franchise, and they threw him away like a piece of trash for Kyrie. Then when Kyrie Irving comes to the team, so he gets a part of in his family, and he decided to take time out for himself, and they blame him for that. I don't see why they mad at him. Yeah, it was a bad year. It was a lot of chaos going on, and they didn't really perform that well in the playoffs, but all of that ain't Kyrie's fault. Everybody got to take accountability for that. Back the fact that Marcus Smart kind of came out and defended him a little bit. You know, it wasn't just 100% like, oh, it's none of it's his fault. You know, he was saying that. Yeah. So, yeah but I'll say this, I though. Kyrie, Kyrie, I salute Kyrie. I'm saying this. Kyrie definitely played a large hand in it because – it's not like it's not like he was just moody and distant, but from it seemed like he alienated some players. Like it seemed like some players just really did not like him on that team. I can't put my finger on exactly who, but it's clear that there was some strife in there. And I mean, that's I guess that's normal, but it's it's easy to say. I think it's fair to say that he did disrupt the chemistry on that team. That's not the only thing that made that team bad, because there was also egos like Terry Rozier, who didn't have problem with Kyrie. But he had a problem with the role that he had on the team that they also led to the detriment. Also, people like Marquise Morris, who hold the ball t- too, mu- too much. Like, all this to contribute to it. But Kyrie definitely gave Celtic fans a reason not to like him. With, with the way that he was causing problems with the, his teammates, he was throwing his teammates under the bus early on in the season. I remember that saying, calling the young guy, saying they don't know what it is to win and all that stuff. And he was playing bad. Like, that. Like he was... All this stuff led to many Southern fans to turn on them. I can't count, uh, hold them for it. And even like sports fandom, like it's notorious, like fans, 
typically boo players and make fun of them when they come back in a return game. Like Anthony Davis got booed and all that stuff. Like that's typical fandom. Like as a fans do, they make signs saying we we can't stand you. You left us. You a coward. But I think that the biggest issue has been the media who have been taking personal shots at him. Like the yep. whole story about yeah, Kyrie Irving rode the elevator and he didn't talk to anybody in the elevator the entire ride for like 50 floors. And I'm like, okay, like, what are y'all doing here? This, this has nothing to do with basketball. This has zero to do with basketball. He don't have to talk to the GM and the coach if you don't want to. And it's like other stories that popped up talking about, you know, the Nets are already worried about Kyrie's bipolarism. Like, why are they trying to demonize his mental state like this like that's the, that's the issue i that's the problem at hand for me with Kyrie. like i don't think the Celtics fans are 100 wrong for faulting Kyrie, but at the same time i think that those who are taking it too far by trying to talk about him as a person i think that's the issue yeah. uh I, i'll say this i've said this before and i'll say it again uh this is this is what happens when we elevate human beings to the level that we have elevated them to yeah. the, of NBA player stature. And this, like, especially not only human beings, but these are 24, 25. Kyrie's probably 26-year-old. Yeah. These are 25, 26-year-old young men who are still finding out who they are themselves, let alone, uh, you know, knowing how to handle being a celebrity and being all these other things so you know these are things that we're going to deal with when dealing with these people and dealing with dealing with celebrities and especially especially with him not only being a celebrity and being Kyrie as we know him being the emotional person he is uh dealing with that and him being the person he is on top of on top of him losing his you know his him losing his granddad with with that with that being like this is just a compilation of a lot of things, and he and this and this is and this is just really it's it's honestly like kind of hard to watch. It was kind of hard to watch, and I hate I hate that he has to deal with this. But like I said, this is just the the pedestal that we put these people on, and it's just something we have to deal with. Yeah, celebrity culture. I I always found it kind of weird how much we really we really think about. We invest a lot of time. In other people's lives when you really sit down and like really think about it but it's, it's that's but at the same time even though like we sit down like every week and we talk about basketball we talk about music it's important to remember these are people too exactly that's that's the bottom line like you, yeah we put like yo these guys are playing a game at a high level something we can never achieve and so that makes it us put us in this like this mythological spot but at this end of the day we can't be attacking them as a character their person because we have to remember that these people are people like you can't just like disregard their feelings and th- and their own um, mindsets. Man, the media sees all the other all the other mediums getting their clicks with telling narratives and telling stories and telling dramas. I'm tired of going on Bleacher Report and seeing D'Angelo Johnson wasn't heavily recruited out of high school. Dad died in a meat grinder. Mother kicked him out of the house when she was a town whore when she was 18. Only a two-star athlete. Slept on. Slept on couch to couch in college while he grinded. Only the seventh pick just dropped 10 points. Like, shut up, Leisure Report. Golly. And it's all that stuff like that that makes people feed in more to the narratives and the story rather than just basketball. That might even be why ratings are going down. And that's because we're watching three people get their grind and all this kind of stuff. So, 
in all these narratives, you need heroes, you need villains, and Kyrie, they pick to be a villain, and LeBron, after the decision, they pick to be a villain, and KD is a villain, and all these things just make it so annoying to be a basketball fan, and I agree with Kyrie so much. Yes, because I'm going to say this, they are definitely headline hunting, because I mean, like, the Celtics played each other, the Celtics Nets played each other, like, twice this week, right? They played twice in the same week. So, it's natural that the Kyrie questions came up in the first game. Natural. I can understand that. Why the hell were they asking about Kyrie the second game to the Celtics players? Like they're like, y'all literally asked the exact same questions like three, four days ago. Why are you asking Marcus Smart again about how different it is to not have Kyrie on our team anymore? It doesn't make sense. And bro, I well, swear I only see Kyrie articles from Boston Celtics writers. That is exactly. it. I don't see I don't see Kyrie articles from anybody else on the internet. Just do. Since 12 months ago, Kyrie was eating, and then he didn't say hi to Brad Steven when he answered, shut up, golly, we do well, not care. Well, and so this is where we get into, do like, because I mean, do we have an issue with what the media is doing? Because I mean, they're just doing their jobs, and they're doing what it takes for them to 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 get you know get there. So I mean, do we have an issue with that, or do we have an issue with, you know, the people? See, I've had a conversation with Mero about this before, and we used to talk about how football players used to ignore the media, like just flat out say, no comment, no answer. And I'm like, okay, they got to do, like, this is part of the contract. Like, you got to answer uh-huh. the reporters because these people, that's their livelihood. That's how they make their money. But it's also the, report, the reporter's responsibility to ask responsible questions. If you ask a player about a specific, a specific topic on Monday, be a better reporter and think of a different angle to ask him on Thursday about the same thing. Like, don't ask them. Don't repeat the same question to him. That, 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 that's, put, that's, that's unfair to the players that you put them in that situation. Like, you're trying to go them to saying something that you want them to say. Just say, just, like I said, reporters got to be responsible. There's other angles to talk about this game. There's, like, you can actually talk about the Celtics play, period. Like, just talk about how well they've been doing or Gordon Hayward's absence or, you know, stuff like that. Why are you asking them about Kyrie Irving who's not a part of the team anymore? Again. For like the third time, actually like the fifth time this season, because they asked him during media day availability. That's that's why I say the reporters got to do better on their part. And then yesterday I was watched. I was on Twitter, and it was after the uh, Michigan versus Ohio State game. And a reporter was like, "Hey Jim Harbaugh, y'all took a fat old L. Why you think there's is there a talent gap? You think is there a coaching gap or like?" <laughs> and then Jim Harbaugh said, "Yo, I'm gonna answer a question. I'm about to answer it." So he's like, "I asked you a question. Y'all lost. Y'all lost by this." I said, "Is there a talent gap? Are your players not as good?" You're still, it's like, "Yo, what gives you the right?" <laughs> like this man is he doesn't have to hey. answer your question, fam. <laughs> like just just. Like, there's no point to all these questions. They're they're trying to get drama so they can get their next headline. And at which point they're doing that, at which point they're trying to make the headline to get the headline, it's 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 all for me when you're supposed to be sports center, ESPN, not a gossip columnist and that kind of stuff. I ain't gonna lie to you. Jim Harbaugh should have dropped that nigga. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are your players are your players ass or is it just you? <laughs> that was, that was wild. <laughs> oh man. I think I think we're at a point where we need to start getting some more juicy content on the pop, popular demand podcast. Man. You about to turn to them? We got those guys. We, we gotta be that form of media. I ain't gonna lie to you, though. That's that's what really sells, and I I put some responsibility on us as you know viewers. For consuming that type of media rather than condemning it more. 
I feel like we as you know consumers should condemn it more, and we as consumers should build up those who do a better job of trying to tackle every facet of the game rather than just harp on narratives. So stream popular demand podcast. If you know, <laughs> you know, like, like for example, and I'm I like to chew our own horn a lot. We did an entire Kanye review without mentioning his politics, and that That's right fresh. there is wow. the difference. That's that's all you have, and that's that's the difference. Yeah, like you can do. Hey, you know Jesus is King review. You can still like you should have to do Jesus is King review, uh, MAGA edition. Like you don't have to do all that. You don't. <laughs> it you don't. It's unnecessary. It's it's, it's trying to I grab. And like I said, people shouldn't reward those people who try to you know intentionally grab your attention with misleading headlines and stuff like that. But shout out to Kyrie. Hopefully, you get better. Hopefully, uh, and the shout out to the Nets for performing for performing well without Kyrie. They've been winning games, and shout out to Mr. Dinwiddie, who's been hooping, hooping. Make sure you guys check out the Pop of the Man website because uh, Brandon just put up a good article about how Spencer Dinwiddie's been pretty great. Brandon of Above Road. the Room and New Faces Podcast. Facts. Oh. All right, let's move on to what's going to be our last topic of the evening before the fan questions. Uh, so we're calling the audible on this last topic. We're originally going to talk about uh Drake's impact as far as how his singing influenced the way more rappers became more melodic or less melodic or more uh, moody and more um or more simpish. But instead of doing that, we're gonna call the audible and we're gonna instead talk about No Name, aka No Name Gypsy, aka uh that girl from Chicago. So No Name ha- has been making some noise on Twitter. Where she was discussing the, with her fans that she's almost sick and tired of creating music, and she's thinking about quitting because she's making music about systematic oppression. She's making music about racism, and she's making music talking about her experiences with police brutality and how she's losing family members. And she said she'll go to a crowd performing the music, and it'd be a crowd of white people. And she's like, "I don't feel like I'm reaching the people. I made this. I made this music for black people and black women, so they could." relate with it with me and we can you know we can share an experience together and bond together over these shared circumstances but instead i'm performing to a crowd of people who might never ever truly get my music and then she said and then people said well no name there are black people um so they're like there's black people supporting you and she was like no because y'all my concerts legitimately be full of just white people there don't be any black people there and really y'all don't buy my music so like i don't know she said she's feel like she's in a difficult spot in a difficult situation and she said she just she kind of just wants to quit making music if she can't perform the music and if her main consumers aren't black people is no name wilding or does no name have a point i'm gonna say she wilding i just want to start off by saying y'all know i rock with no name heavy but i look at it this way I think that any music, I ain't going to use to say hip-hop, just music in general, you got two type of artists. You got people who want to educate, and you got people who want to entertain. And with no name, she looks at her music as something to educate black people, remind us where we came from, and show us what we're going through. But the only issue is that the majority of the black people have lived the same life that she lived. We already know what she's talking about. So when people want to consume music, okay, 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 I'm going to get straight to the point with it. Nobody wants to be reminded of what they already know. People want to listen to music to escape their lives, not to be reminded of it. And it also, when you look at it from an educational point, 
I'm glad that it's white people in the crowds of the show because if anybody needs to learn about it, it should be them. What's the point of t- I'm like, like what's the point of being in a room full of black people and telling them something they already know that we see every day in our everyday lives? Tell it to some people who don't because you can help make the world a better place. You know, like you can educate people, you can show them stuff about the black community they made that they probably didn't know. But just you know, but just going out and being like, ah, oh, yeah, man, you know. I'm glad y'all came to the show, but damn, what the niggas at? What my people at? I gotta talk to y'all. And, he, and, and the thing is, like, I I agree with what she's saying. Like, a lot of artists feel uncomfortable doing it, but at the same time, if your music don't reach your people, it just don't reach your people, and you can't blame the people for that. It's on you. You got to do something to make black people look and say, "Man, let's go to a no name show." Man, let's, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then like, the thing uh, is, like, but thing is, like, if you go to most black. Like if you go to most hip hop, um, it's white people. Most hip hop concerts, yeah, it's white people. Like that, I don't think that's so much her content. Like I just think the nature of it is that majority of rap fan bases happen to actually be white people, and you can't fault yeah. black people for not being able to beat them to those tickets. Yeah, that they that like, they are losing to. Like I can't fault the black people, and like I said I don't think it's no name because no name has black fans. I think I she think does. we're yeah, using, of course. I think we're using fan base and paying consumers. I don't think that I it is. Um, I think she has a very large black fan base, but paying consumers, black people just in general are not, and this is someone who's worked at a concert venue, are not going to come out as quickly or as likely um, for shows. Yeah. Um, and all that being said, I don't think No Name cares about that because she, her larger point to my understanding was I'm tired of performing in front of white audiences and then getting on Twitter and having a political discussion or discussion about all these things I'm talking about in my raps and then white people telling me I need to just keep making music. I need to just mind my business and do yes. this. And that was the larger point. So at that point, I 1000% understand I'm behind her because it's not just yeah. I don't want white people in my shows. It's y'all listen to my music, y'all pay to see me. But at that point, I'm just entertainment to you. You don't care what I'm saying if you're just going to tell me, yeah, no name, just keep making music. Don't retire. You need to put this music out. And she's not one to care about, not one to care about. She said she she puts out an album and goes on like six tour days because she just does not care. She makes enough money to pay what she got to pay and to do that. But she does not care about making money. She does not want to be rich. She's communist. That's why she, she doesn't has, care. Yeah, so, that's why she hasn't signed a major label deal. Either, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure she could easily sign a now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we got so, a criminal uh, queen out here. Let's man, go, man. So she, all this she, being said, she doesn't care about any of that stuff. She's she, just gonna mind her business, and make her music. She posted sickle a lot on Twitter. Cool. I'm surprised she hadn't seen it yet. I'm surprised she hadn't made a meme out of it yet. <laughs> I need to. I need to. But yeah, I I, I agree with Delon and I agree with No Name. I can see where she's coming from. It's the fact that I, we talked about this kind of with Daniel is that at the end of the day, it's not so much like entertainment. Like she's an artist. Sometimes people make sometimes people create stuff and they create it just because they want it not just to entertain somebody, but she just wants to tell her story and share it and so people can feel her experience. So she want I feel like no name makes music more for a therapeutic use and also to resonate and grow closer to those like her. So when she makes music, but the thing is reaching you can't people for, like her you can't force people to listen. No, no, no. And the thing is, I don't feel like she's trying to force people. She's not saying you have to listen to her. That's why she said, I'm just not going to make music anymore. That's just the bottom line. I mean, like, I'm not going to force you to listen to it. And I, and I, even though I have people who's going to buy it, like, white people will keep buying it, but I don't, I don't make music for them. So I might as well just quit. And she, like she said, y'all got to buy my music. Buy it now. Like, now she's not doing that. She's like, I'm going to stop making music because I, 
I'm not reaching who I want to reach. So why not? So I, I mean, it's admirable, like to me, because there's more artists who just sit up and complain all of all who complain for like eight years. You know, you you hate Wale for it. You hate Wale for not being able, for the people he wants to reach him not being able to reach. No, him. no, no. I'm gonna say this. I hate Wale because he constantly makes it a point to just be like, y'all gotta support me. Y'all gotta listen to me. Like, Pete, this is my thing. You can't hold a gun to people's head and make them love you. Either they like it or they don't. Exactly. If they don't, you gotta find something to do. So the thing is, I'm like, if she wanna retire, I ain't got no issue with it. What I'm saying is, you can't hop on Twitter and be like, my black people, why y'all ain't coming to see me? Like, oh. if they not coming, you know what? Is somebody snoring? I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> Snoring. Hey, 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 that man cancer. I already don't listen to no name. This is no, 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 no. No, I wasn't snoring. I just, uh, I was, I, I got like a slight cold, and I just been breathing weird lately. I'm sorry. I'm oh, okay. oh, okay, okay, okay. I said, damn, I said, damn. Even conversation about no, no name because people sleep. That's crazy. No, 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 you no, turn no, on no. Born Center. No, I'm sorry, y'all. No, I, I've been listening. No, I'm sorry. I just, I just, okay, no, like, no, no, I, no, no. I, I, I just didn't have the input, so. But anyway, yeah, of course. I, the thing is, like, I don't feel like she's trying to force anybody by the hand. She's just disappointed, and so she's gonna quit. And I, I mean, that's I don't blame her for yeah. it. I ain't gonna hold this kind of person though. But at the yeah. same time, man, I I need Casey Musgraves to hop on Twitter and be like, man, you know, I made the country music, all these niggas in the car, y'all gotta go home. <laughs> like you want you want Casey Musgraves <laughs> to say the phrase, all these niggas I, in the I, crowd, y'all gotta go home. All right, Can you imagine. Hey, can you imagine Haley Williams be like, man, you know, man, I was 15 years old making emo rock music. Why are these jiggaboos out here? I'm going to go to I the crib. Make, I ain't make this shit for y'all. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Imagine Ed Sprint saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. Imagine Ed Sprint saying, I didn't make shit for you for black women. I ain't talking about that shit, nigga. <laughs> this ain't for y'all. That I understand what her frustration. thing I remember, uh, I remember Tech Nine saying this a while back. He was like, "Man, like, I be talking about real stuff. Ain't no black people in the crowds, you know." I, I, when he, I, I understand where that frustration come from, but can you imagine being a white fan? You just hop on Twitter, like, "Why you at the show?" <laughs> like, like imagine, like, like imagine just working week after week after week, saving money. I'm like, oh, I'm about to go see the show. She gonna be so happy to see me. Then you go to the crib and she on Twitter, like, man, all these Caucasians in the crowd. <laughs> Y'all here. Y'all the presses. Go press them. <laughs> Go press them. <laughs> no, but I, no, I feel that 100%. Like, I couldn't imagine, like, I couldn't imagine being a white person hearing what no name, hearing what no name said and then going to a concert again. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to. Because I promise you I wouldn't go. I was like, you don't want my money? Fine. Fine. <laughs> I listen to this shit at the crib if I, if I do that at all. But that's, but like, even as an understand, even if you understand like where she's coming from as a white person, it still hurt. Even if you, it still hurt. And even if you understand her and you do what she says and you don't go to her show, then she has nobody at her show. Leave another so, black woman to live in poverty. Exactly. <laughs> so it's it's a lose lose situation for both sides. Damn it's if terrible. Do, damn if you don't. Yeah. So I don't know. Like her retirement is probably the best case scenario. I hate it because you know, I I enjoy her music, but. She, if she isn't getting out of it what she needs out of it, then yeah, she should definitely just walk away from it. But rather than you know selling her soul or to um every rap artist ever who said it. Or she could just stop touring. <laughs> I ain't she gonna could, hold you though. I ain't gonna hold no, you. She, though. Could, she could stop touring and just make music. Like she could just do that. 
I respect where she coming from, but I almost, I almost say I didn't think that really threw me out. She was like, "But all these rappers not gonna say like, of course they can't." This the like I'm gonna say this. No name. I feel like she can leave and do whatever she want. A lot of artists don't. You know, like a lot of artists, they can't do that. They gotta you know do what? music for the rest of their life. That's you why they what? can't say nothing. You know what, um, Delon? I think actually the tours probably cover like the fees and, and yeah, like that's you know, for, those cover shows. Yeah. yeah, features like. Yeah, so she, if she didn't tour, she just made music and she would end up losing money. So it would then be a lost cause as far as... Well, actually, music. she doesn't have the wildest features. No, nah, she don't. But I mean, she still got to pay them niggas. And, if you, and it's, she's a small-time artist who doesn't chart, so she can't be making that much money off the actual music. Is she so, rich? That's a good... No, she's a communist. <laughs> no, I mean like 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 is she like like is she kind of like chance you know that like you come from a little bit of money in Chicago so you know like well she like one of them kids it was just kind of like a side hobby that just happened to work out and if she I wants mean, to she can just leave and do something else. I have zero clue. Mm. But all is being said, she says we're getting a ghetto sage album. Yeah, she said we get never regardless. So that, that's all that matters. Yeah. Your right. feelings don't matter, hey, man. man. As long as we get this album, we are the white people. Hey man, I'm putting up to the no name concert and white face perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the last topic, this is fan questions. Like I said, I feel like we had more fan questions, but they got lost in the sauce. We had multiple people asking how to do it, but we didn't get them. That's because my fault for saying that you don't have to put your email. Basically, you leave your email next time so we'll actually get your question. But we did have one go through, and it's from Trey Kit. And he says, what's up, y'all? Enjoy the show. Y'all boys keep me laughing on my road trips. But honestly, I was wondering when the All-Star game comes around, could you guys do a podcast on the breakdown of top teams in the East and West? So it's more of a request as far as topics go. We're not going to um, – that is something you can answer. So, yes, when the All-Star break goes, rolls around, you might have to remind us on the, tw- on the Twitter page. We will definitely do a breakdown of who we who are the best teams in the East and West. That's a, that's, that's, that's a good topic. I, I think that will be a good topic. Yeah, we could dedicate an entire episode to it, and it'll probably be, uh, we'll recruit, we'll get Jacquez, maybe Brandon, a couple other basketball um, savvy guys on for that. But that's it. Well, well, just that's- for just for just for content, all star content. I think Tay asked earlier, who do y'all think going to be the all star captains this year? Brian and Jonas. Let's see. So yeah, that's probably who it'll be. Yo, Brian is most definitely the most popular player in the West. So it'll probably be Braun. And uh in the East, it'll probably be Giannis, yeah. I can't imagine anybody else beating them. I'm gonna have to see them Luca votes. Luca's gonna get a good number of votes. He'll get some international oh, votes, yeah. but I don't I don't Luca's still not bigger than LeBron. It is it, it's gonna take LeBron retiring, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Bron's gonna get Bron's gonna win it out every time. I don't think it's Bron's think that man's just tired of it. Y'all think he just just doesn't uh, want to play the All Star game. I think. He oh, don't want to play the All Star game. Oh no, I think he lives for it too. LeBron kind of like attention. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Instagram. Kinda. Now, according to LeBron, he said if he could, if he healthy, he gonna play. So now nah, he don't get tired of it. <laughs> oh shit. According to LeBron. So if he say so next time LeBron say tired, I'm gonna say shut up and dribble. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, that's all I got, guys. Got any closing thoughts? Uh, straight no name. Only if you from African American descent. <laughs> oh, cool. Wait, cool. Wait, cool. Almost, almost yeah, got string cool. stack. Yeah, string stacks. Who? String stack. You know who? Don't play. Don't play the queen of Detroit. All right. 
I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You still don't know who I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Okay. As a, that was that was that was Daniel's point. But Damn. all right, tune in next week for the episode of Pop of the Man podcast. See you then. <laughs> <laughs>